This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Federica Lana, co-founder of Tatum Digital. Federica, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Hey, Art. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Great. Thanks for coming. So when you hear names like Cristiano Ronaldo, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Selena Gomez, what do you think is in common for all these people? Well, apart from the fact that they're all extremely popular, they are influencers because they have a gigantic fellowship and they're involved in various product endorsements, including mobile apps. And of course, the story doesn't stop with these people. There are literally thousands of influencers out there. So today, Federica will help us to understand how influencer marketing works for mobile apps. But let's start with uh, talking about you, Federica. Please tell us about yourself. How did you get involved into influencer marketing business? Yeah, sure. So I've worked with apps most of my work life. Uh, I studied at Disney and ESPN, where yeah, I launched the first ESPN Play, which was an app to watch sports in Latin America. That was 2010. So a uh, long time. Yeah, yeah, 10 years. It was a, a phenomenal innovation at that time. I'm from Argentina uh, originally. So that was my first app launch. Then I moved to Brazil, where I worked several years at Electronic Arts in their mobile division. And I launched games like SimCity Mobile, Sims Free Play, FIFA Mobile, very cool games. I was doing sales and marketing for the whole LATAM. So that was, you know, I'm a gamer, so it was awesome. And then I, I moved back to Argentina and I worked at Viacom, which is another TV company where I launched two subscription video services, like the Netflix of Viacom um, throughout Latin America. And, you know, I was pretty much an entrepreneur my whole life, but it was inside corporations, right? So mm-hmm. I wanted to have to transition from entrepreneurs to entrepreneur. And, and that's how I, I got involved in influencer marketing. I joined forces with my business partner. Her name is Lucia. She had started that time a few months before I joined. And since then, it's been you know, one year now of growth and excitement uh, as an entrepreneur in the influencer marketing space. Yeah, that's, that's great. So you've been in corporate world uh, for a number of years. Now you can you know, look outside and uh, I believe you can leverage your expertise knowing what's going on inside of the company, how you should get in touch with people and uh, basically talk on the same, like, the same language with you when you're approaching brands, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that that's people tell to, to what we do at Tatam. Both me and Lucia, my co-founder, she also worked at uh, corporate. So we, you know, rapidly, uh, very early understood what was wrong, let's say, with influencer marketing as it was being done. And it's currently 
also being done in a way that we don't fully agree, let's say, with the vast majority of what we see in the industry. And that's why we created a TAMP to actually do it as we would like to that to be done for us in the corporate world. All right, gotcha. Okay, so let's talk about Tatum Digital. Uh, how did you guys start and why did you decide? You, you, you partially answered my question. Why did you decide to dive into this field? Because you want to make a difference. You want to take a different approach, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Tatum started a couple of years ago where my Mark partner, she was a director of global growth at a startup, a Berlin startup called Clue. And they were, they are a female health app and they grew from one to 12 or 13 million monthly active users. And one of the main acquisition channels that was led by Lucia was actually YouTubers. And this was back in 2013, 14, there was not influencer marketing war. Uh, You know, the, the term didn't exist and she was doing it in a performance approach. So she had to, you know, every, every week show results about what she was doing and that massive growth, you know, in Berlin kind of, you know, companies or startups started to share how they were growing. And what happened was that she ended up, you know, having several conversations with other companies about, you know, doing the same. And that's how she transitioned from her job to actually starting a company based on the demand for what she was doing. And I joined a couple of months after because she was, you know, facing scale, you know, and rapid growth with her alone to a couple of people in the team to now we're 20 in the agency. So that's how we started. All right. Now we were covering influencer marketing several months ago in one of the episodes, but Let's fresh people's memory uh, for, you know, for people who haven't heard that episode and uh, a lot of things have changed since then. So for some people, it may be still a buzzword they don't really comprehend. So let's fill the gap. So what is influencer marketing? Yeah, I would say influencer marketing is like consistently adding influencers into your marketing mix. So you're you're not doing a one-off with just hiring, you know, one content creator, you're actually running a program with a strategy that is aligned with whatever growth goals you have. And it makes sense in the broader mix of your efforts. And you're comparing, you know, performance from this channel against other channels and you're deciding to, you know, pull money out of AdWords or whatever other other growth channel you have and actually investing in influencers. And I would say when you have that, you are doing influencer marketing. And, and what we call an influencer is, it's funny because even me, when I hear influencer marketing, I have a headache because uh, these, you know, uh, images are of, you know, models, empty models having, you know, uh, taking a picture with a champagne brand, they appear in my exactly. mind. I say, oh, please, I don't want to feel, feel, feel that I'm a part of that, right? So that is not influencer marketing, as, at least as, as we uh, see, so we consider influencer someone that has you know both the reach and the influence on a certain audience. They are digital natives and they are actual content creators. They are creators, okay? They're mm-hmm. not just you know a pretty face or I mean they are adding value to their audience in some way or another. And they are in a platform, so it could be podcasts. 
So you are, would be an influencer uh, by my definition. Uh, it could That's be nice podcast, it could be, yeah, it could be Twitch. I mean, it could be anything. But the key for us is that, that influence power. And we don't say, you know, uh, influence power as being, you know, engagement rates. I mean, that, that is not influence power. Influence power for us is the ability to drive sales in the actual world. So that's the key part. Like we, I mean, you can, you can be a model and be very good at driving, you know, a huge amount of attention. But if you're not able to drive actual sales in the real world, um, it's, you're not interesting for us, uh, for the market, type of marketing that we do. All right. I see your point really clearly. Now, speaking of key parts, you know, all app marketers lean to specific KPIs to measure the app marketing campaign's performance. What kind of key performance indicators can you uh, measure for an influencer marketing campaign? What's important? What does it actually bring value? Yeah, I would say, I mean, you have to treat influencers. If you are an app marketer, you, you have to treat influencers as it was an AdWords campaign. So whatever you are you know, measuring and optimizing for in your AdWords campaign. Maybe it is uh, CPI, maybe it is CAC, maybe it's ROAS. You have to be able to measure and optimize the thing, same things for influencer marketing so that then you, when you have an additional dollar from your CFO, right, mm-hmm. you can actually compare, right, and, and understand where that extra dollar makes sense. And the, the only way you're you're going to be able to do that is if you're actually measuring influencers as any other performance or growth channel. So I would say, you know, whatever KPI you have for your normal uh, BAU, day-to-day campaigns that you run, you have to be able to find a way to measure that and optimize that for influencers so that when you have a decision to be made in, in terms of budget allocation, you are able to make a decision actually based on performance. It's actually reinforcing, it's reinforcing my point, uh, my, my kind of a vision of what's, what's going on with influencer marketing. Because as far as I can remember, the elephant in the room, the biggest problem was uh, yeah, you can drive as much as attention you can, but how actually you can measure how this attention is being converted into real sales, into real downloads. And the only uh, like recipe I can remember a few, few years ago from my, you know, uh, my knowledge back then was like, okay, you can stop every other marketing campaign, just run influencer marketing campaign. And here's how you can measure the actual result of uh, this influencer marketing campaign on your app install driving campaign, your effort to gain more users for your app. So this is definitely uh, out of date perception from what I can hear from you. So you're saying right now it is possible working with influencer actually measure precisely how many uh, downloads uh, each of those people are driving, correct? Or uh, it is absolutely correct. We have you know twelve plus clients running, you know ongoing acquisition campaigns and comparing mm-hmm. our efforts with you know AdWords and 
Facebook ads and Instagram ads and YouTube ads, and and they they keep on growing their budget. So you you not only you can measure you can succeed on this, but the thing is that, and how you framed it. Uh, it's very aligned to what we see uh, as insiders of this influencer marketing industry. And this, it is the elephant in the room. Like it, this, is a, this is a billion, uh, $9 billion industry. So mm-hmm. app, um, not app uh, marketers, but marketers as a whole in, in whatever, you know, all of the industries, they are um, investing $9 billion per year. And... I will assure you, ninety percent of that is being, you know, wasted. not measured, wasted, or at least not comprehended and and not understand it. Right. So, this is the thing. Right now, you can do it. You can track everything that happens, or most of what happens when an influencer posts something. But it is a lot of work, right? And and sadly, there are. I, I don't want to say lazy agencies and marketing teams, but let's say they don't have the bandwidth to actually stop, think about, you know, learn because there's a learning curve. Um, there's money to be invested in learning. There, there's time to be invested in learning and so on. So the sad thing is that we are, you know, this elephant in the room, you know, um, it, it's still there and it's hurting, let's say, you know, uh, the, the influencer space as a whole. And from our side at that time, we are shouting and pointing to the elephant and saying, guys, this is a problem. You, you have to measure and you have to run a campaign that it's actually profitable or is delivering the same CAC as the rest of the company because it doesn't make any sense, right? And what happens is that brands are paying money for influencers that maybe are not worth that much money because when you go and you know um, price their influence power there's not a good influencer can be good or bad depending on how much you pay right because if it drives you know if you pay a thousand dollars for one conversion it's a very you know expensive conversion but if that same conversion cost you ten dollars then what it was a great collaboration with that influencer so it is it's about pricing and it's about efficiency it's about having the bandwidth and the learning curve to actually be able to pull this off it can be done but it you know the the elephant in the room is there and it's very sad for us because it's hurting the this space and we need to fix that definitely uh let's move on to the next question uh well we're talking about people and they do make mistakes what kind of mistakes you, you see app marketers do when it comes to running influencer marketing campaign for their apps because they have mm-hmm. a couple of experience and work with these people. What kind of mistakes they do? Yeah, uh, I think that I would say the, the biggest mistake is maybe not, not committing and giving the time um, to, to be able to learn, right? So if you want to, I mean, this is a very human media and it's, mm-hmm. it's a slow media compared to what app marketers are used to, right? So uh, I was running campaigns for a bunch of apps and games in my, my past uh, no jobs. I was able to say the campaign was good or bad within a 10-day period, right? Uh, and that's because, you know, most of the the marketing that we do for apps, it's automated, it leverages algorithms and so on. What happens with influencers, it's more like TV, 
but being able to track everything that happens after the, a user sees the, the ad. So you can track uh, clicks on the links and the, you know, how many people register, how many people use the promo code, how many people subscribe or purchase your product from an ad that actually is more like TV than AdWords, right? So I would say patience and giving the time for the actual content to go live, to mature, to a YouTube video will amass 80 to 90% of the views that it's going to amass in the first three months. So you will see the potential, the full potential of a collaboration with a YouTuber, for example, after three months. And, and you even after those three months, you're going to have more subscribers or app installs or conversions coming from, from that influencer. So I think that time is one of the big things or, or impatience, let's say, in terms of mistakes. I see. So uh, marketers, they don't take into consideration, they don't factor in the differences in different marketing channels. And uh, in a combination, marketing channel and influencer, the Mm -hmm. human component, your interaction with a human being who's working for you is kind of an external marketing team, but actually not a marketing team. And the second part is that you actually have to understand how you can drive traffic through YouTube, through, mm-hmm. through Instagram, uh, you know, TikTok these days, I think, uh, coming along really nicely and powerful, becoming the next, uh, you know, uh, huge channel for driving installs. Mm-hmm. Now, let's cover the other side of the other part of the equation, influencers themselves. Obviously, you've been working with these people, I think, even closer, even, you know, spending more time. What kind of problems do you encounter when you work with these people? I would say two. One is negotiation or pricing. And the second is commitment to deadlines. <laughs> so, <laughs> so number one. So uh, human. Yeah, 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 absolutely. In terms of pricing, I mean, what happens is, is this. So I, I encourage every app marketer that is, or an agency that is working with influencers to negotiate the prices. Why? Because of what we were discussing earlier, that a a great collaboration with a YouTuber can deliver a a good CAC or a bad CAC, depending on how much you pay for that audience, right? So how you have to approach it is you're, you're purchasing, basically, when we work with influencers, we are purchasing views, right? So mm-hmm. it could be uh, Instagram story views, it could be YouTube video views, it could be Twitch views, it could be you know, a podcast downloads, or, or, but it, it, they are views, right? So you have to understand how many, how much view, how many views you're going to, to get from a collaboration and then price that uh, in, in a way that makes sense for your app. And what happens is influencers, they have a certain fixed price that they, they value their time and that's perfectly fine, right? Mm-hmm. But we, when you are approaching the, you know, human to human, because there is no platform involved, and this is not an automated um, process, they also need to understand that maybe, I don't know, Unilever, Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, they can pay, you know, $1,000 for, for a video, but not, that's, that doesn't make sense for a small game developer, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, depending on your, your business model. You, it's not the same how much you can pay if you are a subscription that actually has recurrent revenue or you are just a one-time one, one purchase 
you know, e-commerce, it's not the same if you have a ticket of $1,000 or a ticket of $10, how much you can pay an influencer. So I would say the, the first problem is making the influencers understand that it, you're not price, you're, you're want, you want to negotiate, but you see value in their audience or in the content, but you're not actually, you know, valuing their content or their, their channel. You're actually saying how much you can pay based on a funnel. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's, that's a key, you know, point of friction. But at the same time, they, the influencers, their business model is partnering with brands. So they, they will receive, you know, any potential collaboration with the open arms. So negotiation is the first one. And then sometimes in a campaign, is, timings is very important. And the upload date of a video or a, a Instagram story it has to be, you know, precise. And, you know, these are, again, human. And, and, and the children can, can be sick. And the influencer is not posting the videos because they are obviously taking care of the little ones. Uh, especially they, now. Yeah, especially now with, with home office. And, um, I mean, delays always happen and that's fine. But, but um, you know, it, it, they, these are creative individuals right so and the bigger they are the the more you know chances of of they you know doing whatever they want and that's part of you know working with these highly visibility uh, highly creative um human beings um uh, yeah okay uh now if you open up the app store app you can see a bunch of categories what are the best fits for launching an influencer campaign among all these categories like Mm-hmm. You know, games, uh, photo, video, utilities, mm-hmm. uh, uh, social networking, etc. What categories yeah. uh, do work better uh, among the rest? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Art. And I think I said I had two answers. One is whenever there's a recurrent revenue, either you know via microtransactions or a subscriptions, mm-hmm. influencers is a great. Acquisition channel, uh, most of our clients are apps with a subscription business model. So that's one. So a recurrent revenue monetization model. And then the second would be if your product is hard to explain in a banner, mm-hmm. influencers, it's a, it's, a, it's a great acquisition channel. Why? Because the usual influencer marketing you know collaboration it's it's one to two minutes where the influencer the content creator is going to stop everything that he she's doing and they will take a full minute minute plus to explain you know the problem that you solve how you solve it whom are you solving it for why and then end up with a very strong reason on why to click or download or, you know, subscribe. So, you know, there are products that are not fit for a banner, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, as simple as that. Uh, so, for example, we were talking about a VPN. A VPN is a very, you know, techy, you know, hard to understand for many people, especially for the, you know, general audience. So a VPN is a great product uh, as an example, right? So financial products are great or fintechs are great. Learning, uh, learning related products are great. So that would be my my two. And then another thing is number three, I'll I'll add a third one is uh, with COVID, everything that happened this year, 
I, we yeah. saw a lot of the self-improvement space, that being, you know, from meditation to, you know, fitness to eBooks to uh, kids learning, you know, all of those categories really had their moment. So I would say that sometimes when things happen, people really uh, pay attention a lot to 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 influencers and you know during covid i think that 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 was very very now the value of influencers were was for us very very visible i see uh, influencers essentially they're the best asset they have is that they're storytellers they're good storytellers they can convey a message they can resonate with people who are eagerly listening to what they have to say. Um, that's that's the great medium to actually mm -hmm. give the extended, uh, detailed explanation of something they they wouldn't just want to listen to, you know, from other any other media. Like they wouldn't be able to listen, you know, ad on YouTube for five minutes that it will be explaining in detail, but they will gladly listen to the uh, podcast mm -hmm. host, right, to the... Uh, Um, and any kind of like influencer uh, on any media, on Instagram, on TikTok, or on YouTube, uh, those five minutes will not be wasted. They will be, you know, absorbing those stories, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a step further is that good influencers, the ones that really, you know, are able to drive real life action, are actually curators of products. So you've mm -hmm. seen, uh, you know, this... Uh, quote-unquote influencers that uh, they, they look like they're an infomercial <laughs> the entire time, right? And, that, yeah. and those are the bad ones. And those are the ones that we don't want to work with. We don't, we don't recommend. And those are the, the elephants in the room, let's say. That actually the good ones take care of their audience. They, take, they control the number of you know, brands they work with. They filter. And they actually you know, truly believe that their audience will benefit from, you know, hearing about X brand. So those are the ones that, you know, brands need to pay attention. And the future of this industry is with those kind of content creators that are actually, you know, care and they're, as you said, great storytellers that actually care about, you know, transmitting the brand and they are interested in the product really really interested and when they talk about it it is authentic and and, I, and that cannot be replaced with any banner in a youtube ad and frankly who clicks on a banner i mean i don't right totally. all right now we're at this small segment of the show when i'm actually asking a few quick questions to my guest to paint a better picture of who he or she is and okay here are they <clears throat> okay So are you iOS or Android person? I'm an Android person. Okay, finally, somebody <laughs> added one unit to the stack of Android people. It's balanced to iOS, I guess. Uh, it's getting close, but uh, uh, there's more you know, work need to be done uh, because iOS <laughs> stack is bigger at this point mm. significantly, Oops. at least uh, among the guests. Uh, yeah. Now, what was your first mobile phone? I think a Nokia, but I don't remember the the model, but it was a Nokia for sure. Yeah, that's a fair guess from those days. Uh, <laughs> okay, now, what is your favorite app? I would say it's the App Store. 
And oh. I, yeah, I think that it's, you know, the app store is the mother of all of the apps. And that's why I, I would, you know, the app store is a, it's a great, you know, supermarket. I mean, it's amazing. It created the app economy, right? So, oh yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Even though that right now they are facing a lot of trouble legally with with Fortnite. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I, I, I've, I. Their other thing that rang my bell was the um, the hearings in the Senate about the antitrust uh, mm, yeah. policy because uh, the app store is being under fire because of the uh, the you know. The whole idea of curation on the App Store because of the quality, um, you know, any spyware, virus-free. Um, but this uh, whole thing is back is backfiring into Apple right now because the other, yeah. the flip, the flip uh, side of the coin is that there's a monopoly, and uh, there actually, is I, for sure. Yeah, well, well, there is a, a nobody would uh, reject that notion, but the reason for you know this monopoly. Uh, was a technical and a very novel one. It's just uh, at this point, yeah, it's it's more complicated. So I, I haven't heard about Fortnite. What's the what's the deal? So Fortnite, they got kicked out of the App Store last week because of oh. them, you know, trying to yeah yeah to to invite users to not pay through the App Store because of oh, the yeah. 30 percent. Apple tax, let's say, mm-hmm. um, the revenue share. And yeah. the numbers for Fortnite, I mean, they, they drove, I think, that only through the App Store, $1.2 billion. And Apple got a cut of $400 million. And, that's you know, a, that's the, a big money for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and Fortnite is saying, like, this is too much. And, and there's a lot of developers saying it is too much. But, I mean... Yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. Uh, Spotify has been, you know, very vocal mm-hmm. about yeah. um, the 30%. It's interesting. Uh, okay, so uh, new app technologies. Uh, are there something uh, on the horizon that you're waiting for, you know, to actually be part of the apps on your phone that will make it more uh, useful for you, will bring more value to your life? Yeah, I've been waiting for VR to be good for a, for a long time. So I'm really, you know, starting to feel that VR is never going to, I'm not going to see VR and enjoy VR. It's losing traction, right? Uh, yeah, I, I feel sure. I fear is losing traction again. Yeah, probably not not this decade or maybe this decade. We we, we didn't know, like, it's hard to uh, forecast uh, that far in advance. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was my last question. But before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and know more about what you do? Yeah, of course. Um, so um, you can uh, look to our website. It's tatam, T-A-T-A-M dot digital, tatam dot digital. Or you can drop me an email at federico at tatam dot digital. Awesome. Thank you, Federica. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you a lot. I really enjoyed it, Art. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Federica Lana, co-founder of Tatum Digital. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for a business of apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you'll be able to get new episodes in your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please... Don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. 
And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. See you next week. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.